the question of parcel deliveries, uh, delivery, which is, of course, related to e-commerce and the creation of a single uh, market uh, in the European Union that allows companies, small or big companies, to deliver their products that are bought online um, to uh, uh, the customers in the countries uh, to which they want to deliver those, those products. And, um, uh, this 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 is basically what what we will debate today. I think um, the vice president doesn't need a long introduction. He's well known here in in the city. Um, of course, um, he has been uh, in his prior life. Um, uh, well, in his in, in in this life, he's been. <laughs> so, well, in his prior uh, position, he's been. Uh, He's been uh, uh, um, uh, um, prime minister, the longest, actually the longest uh, serving prime minister of, of Estonia. We will um, start the event, uh, interestingly, not with, uh, with the vice president, but with um, a Bruegel Research Fellow, Scott Marcos, who is a telecommunications expert and has co-authored a paper uh, together with Georgios Petropoulos, who is also a Bruegel Fellow, on um, the uh, issue uh, that we discussed today. Following his presentation, uh, we will see, uh, we will have uh, your presentation, uh, Vice President, and then a panel discussion uh, featuring uh, Jean-Paul Forceville, uh, who is Director um, uh, for Regulation and Institutional and European Affairs at La Poste. Um, and Annegret Gröbel, um, Head of Department for International Relations at the German Bundesnetzagentur or in English, Federal Network Agency for Electricity, Gas, Telecommunications, Post, and Railway. So Post is also in post there. Is uh, also uh, in there. Okay. Yes. So without much further ado, um, let me give the floor to, to you, Scott, um, for, for your presentation, 20 minutes. Uh, and then uh, I turn to you, uh, Vice President. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Guntram, and uh, thank you very much all for being here. Uh, thank you, Vice President Dancif. We're honored by your presence. Uh, good. I'm going to be uh, speaking today about... Oop. So... Excuse me? Escape. Ah! No, no, that's not very... You can close Yes. Can you do... Yes. It's in the middle. Where is it? Ah, okay. Sorry, gang. Here we go. So, from the top, this time with feeling. Okay, so uh, I'm going to be speaking about a number of uh, issues today. I'll be making a few brief comments to set the stage about the opportunity and also the threat that e-commerce poses for Europe. Uh, and then uh, some brief comparisons to the status of roaming prior to the introduction of the first regulation in 2007. Uh, as, uh, as Guntram said, my, my background is as a telecommunications policy expert. I've done a lot of work with roaming. This is a first foray for me into postal, but the, the parallels are stronger than one might guess. So uh, from that, I'll be talking primarily about affordability issues, about retail prices for cross-border parcel delivery, whether they're problematic. Uh, and especially about the relationships between wholesale charges and retail prices and what this implies for, uh, for what might be done going forward. So uh, as far as e-commerce, I, th I think the fact that it's uh, an opportunity for Europe is clear to all. Uh, it's growing rapidly. Europe is doing reasonably well. 
the, uh, the sales of goods and services run in the neighborhood of 400 to 500 million euro per year, of which about half is goods and half is services. Clearly, the goods need to be shipped. And so the question is, of course, how does that happen, and uh, is it happening as it should? Now, the situation is rather different for large shippers versus small. Large shippers have the ability to exploit multiple different delivery channels. They can self-provision. They have many opportunities. They have the knowledge and the scale to, uh, to, to operate efficiently. Small shippers typically lack know-how. They lack scale. They lack bargaining power. This has been a longstanding concern for European policy. Uh, it affects some aspects of delivery uh, more than others. Express services tend to operate in a rather different space. They tend to be driven by, uh, by integrated uh, providers that have presence in multiple member states that can basically uh, care for themselves. Uh, whereas uh, the concerns for smaller shippers and especially for micro-enterprise and individual uh, are where mostly the concern has focused, basic delivery rather than express. And especially in lower density areas, the opportunity for, for other alternatives has been far greater in denser areas. Also, the opportunities for, for example, companies the scale of Amazon to self-provision is far greater in the dense areas. So the digital single market strategy, which is uh, Vice President Ansip's baby, is uh, seeking to bring the prices down. That's much of what inspires the work. And um, yet at the same time, it should be remembered, this is a longstanding concern. Uh, these issues were already visible in the 1987 Green Paper that sought to liberalize the sector. So this has been around for a long time. Now, why do we care and what are the harms if the prices are higher than they should be? Well, my focus here is primarily on business to consumer shipments. And there, if the price is inflated, it has multiple effects. Uh, one is there would be a tendency for consumers to look only on domestic websites, or let's say on sites that they perceive as domestic, where the goods actually ship from isn't necessarily always known. Uh, analogously, small shippers might tend not to do business across borders because it's too costly or too complicated for them. Uh, and in both cases, it means that gains in trade that could have been achieved by uh, cross-border purchases are lost. They aren't achieved even though they could have been achieved. It represents a threat to European competitiveness, um, the fact that it impacts small shippers is a concern because, of course, Europe is still in a bit of a catch-up position with other regions of the world. It seems like we wouldn't want to be hobbling our own small and medium enterprises through our own postal uh, pricing structures. Uh, and last but not least, something that tends not to be focused on in the literature is if uh, shippers are obliged to warehouse in more locations than would have been the case with an efficient cost-based distribution, that represents a macroeconomic loss as well. It ultimately gets reflected in prices and in consumption. So all of these are reasons why we ought to care about the prices. Now, what can we actually learn from comparison to telecommunications? And there are some quite strong parallels, but also one striking difference, which I'll come to later. Parallels. First off, the cross-border of the na nature of the service, the fact that it's two in two different countries meant that overpricing tended to be stubborn and not easy to correct. Uh, a second factor was that even though domestic markets had effective competition at the point when these issues were first flagged in telecoms, the competition was already there, that had very little impact on these cross-border uh, shipments or cross-border roaming, cross-border communications. So, the local competition, the domestic competition, 
plays a smaller role than one might guess. Uh, a third aspect, though, is that the linkage between wholesale and retail prices proved to be strong. It's a little different in post, for reasons I'll explain, but the linkages are still important. Uh, another commonality is that prior to regulation, hardly anything was known about the pricing and costing structures in the sector. Uh, and a last point, which I think is, again, a point of commonality, uh, is that uh, the national regulatory authorities uh, had problems in dealing with it. They had problems with lack of information. They had problems with incentives. They had little reason to want to regulate in ways that would benefit citizens of other member states and, and to do so by regulating their own incumbents. So here again, we see some striking parallels. Now, as far as whether prices are inflated, uh, this is something we've looked at. This is something others have looked at over the years. The first question is, what should the difference in prices be between domestic and uh, cross-border? Uh, this is from a, a study a few years back. Uh, here you see the basic flows, collection, sortation, another sortation, delivery. So it's a complicated process. Uh, if you compare that to uh, international, to cross-border, it's a substantially more complicated process. Uh, you've got a transfer step there. You see the, the picture of the airplane. So you've got more transport. You also have more sortation. You also have a certain amount of remapping of service from the sending postal operator to the receiving postal operator. That may represent relabeling. It may represent multiple costs. They're real costs. They're legitimate. The things that can be done, perhaps, to improve coordination, but they're, they're bona fide costs that have to be taken into account. Now, what do we know about public attitudes towards these things? Well, uh, the uh, survey work done by Eurostat makes very clear that uh, firms, whether they're firms that currently conduct business cross-border or firms that are having trouble conducting business cross-border or firms that don't yet conduct business cross-border, all of them regard prices as too high, and all of them see that as a major issue. So that's clear enough. Uh, and in fact, for all three groups, the pricing of cross-border services was viewed as the biggest problem. Uh, another thing that comes clearly out of the, in this case, the consultation results, but out of public results, is, is um, the uh, perception of availability of discounts. Again, large shippers uh, probably have substantial negotiating power. Hard to know exactly how much. Uh, in the consultation, half of the respondents said that they didn't get discounts at all. And it was substantially higher among small and medium enterprises than among large. So about two-thirds of small and medium enterprises claim to get no discount, which means that they're basically paying the same price that you and I pay when we walk into the post office. So this is why the concern has been, I think, appropriately focused on, um, on smaller shippers. Now, there's been one problem with all of the historic work that's been done on analyzing retail prices, ours, by the way, included, I would acknowledge. And that is that pretty much the only data that's available to date is the published prices from the postal services and, and from the companies that compete with them. Um, so it's a bit of a what, what's known as the drunkard's search. Uh, here we have uh, a drunkard looking for a quarter uh, under a lamppost, not because that's where he thinks he lost it, but simply because that's where the light is better. Uh, we're obliged to look at the only data that we have. Uh, and that's a problem. Okay, so uh, what do we know from the published data, though? A couple of, of quick assessments. Again, people have also done more sophisticated econometrics on these, but the first-order statistics can be pretty revealing, too. 
the, the lower line in red is domestic prices in Germany on a price per kilogram basis, so a normalized basis. Uh, the green line represents zone one. Uh, for many uh, of the postal services, zone one represents all of Europe. For others, it represents a substantial number of countries. Um, and uh, here you see the differences tend to be in the two to one to three to one range. They're, they're pretty substantial. Um, and yet, uh, the uh, multiple research results say the biggest six member states have far less price distortion than some of the smaller ones. Uh, so here, for example, we see Greece. We've done this for multiple countries. And um, in, in Greece, uh, the difference can be as much as 15 to 1. It's, it's uh, whopping big. That's not just that the cross-border prices are high. It's also that the domestic prices are low, right? Labor costs are lower in Greece than they are in Germany. So it's, it's both effects, but the spread is quite enormous. Um, and uh, here you have some measure of the differences in multiple countries. The different groups of bars represent different weight categories. Uh, I don't think there's anything so surprising here, but the rightmost three bars represent Germany, France, and Spain. Uh, the, uh, the green and orange bars represent uh, Greece and Cyprus. And again, the spread between domestic and, uh, and local prices is much larger in some of the smaller member states. The leftmost is Austria, which is closer to the, to the large member <coughs> state pattern. So you see a difference there. And this is consistent with many other results, uh, including one that just came out this year from the Université de Saint-Louis, right around the corner from here, finding uh, prices that were 300 to 470% higher for parcels. Um, in the large member states, the spread is less. But uh, over Europe as a whole, that could very well be right. Now, for comparison, uh, here's what we see from US Postal Service prices. Uh, each of the curves represents a different weight category for US postal parcel delivery. And here what we see is instead of having the sort of huge step change when you cross borders in, the United, uh, in, in Europe, uh, within the United States you see a much more gradual progression. Uh, and also this reinforces comments that the, that, that, uh, the EGRP and Barrick have made transit costs play a relatively small role in the total. So um, again, uh, this is a very different pattern than what we would see in Europe, where the minute that you cross an international border, you see at least factor two or three uplift in the price. Now, wholesale versus retail. In roaming, inflated wholesale costs played a quite huge role in the total pricing challenges. Uh, the wholesale prices bore little relationship to the cost. The dotted line here represents the cost, just sort of a notional picture. And uh, the red bar is the wholesale charge that the network operator in one country charged the network operator in another. Those payments between the network operators are analogous to the terminal dues and inward land rates in the postal sector. So the analogy is strong. Um, but the details aren't. In the roaming case, high wholesale charges combined with markups of about 30% on the retail side resulted in very high prices, an effect that can be called pancaking or, um, or um, double marginalization. But um, what we know from the postal sector suggests that things are other, otherwise. Uh, there are a number of papers that suggest instead that the wholesale payments, at least the terminal dues between national postal operators, 
are probably below what, by many standards, is their marginal cost. Um, there's a number of papers that argue this. Uh, the fact that remailing was popular, so-called ABA remailing, where something is shipped out of a country in order to be shipped back, there were UPU rules, United Nations Universal Postal Union rules, that were introduced specifically to make that more difficult or prevent it. It wouldn't have existed at all if it weren't the case that the wholesale payments were below perceived cost. Uh, and similarly, when we hear complaints about, uh, about, for example, shippers in China able to ship at less cost than shippers within Europe to European customers, again, it would tend to suggest that the wholesale prices have to be below cost, not above. Now, how can the prices be below cost? Well, I think it can only be understood when one bears in mind that these are prices that are offered only to other postal services that compete with one another in the same national territory only in limited ways. Otherwise, they couldn't exist at this level at all. By contrast, in telecommunications, wholesale prices are offered to competitors. So it's a different structure in at least one important respect, and that has big implications for the level of payments. Uh, the leftmost bar here represents the structure of domestic wholesale costs and retail prices. It's usually assumed, for example, by the Universal Postal Union, the, the group that governs these things at international level, that the right benchmark is about 70% of the domestic delivery price, that that's the cost of delivery. It's probably as good a measure as any in this field where not a lot of numbers are available. So that's where the dotted line is set. And now, if the charge is less, but the retail price is two or three or more times greater than domestic, it implies that the spread between the payment at wholesale and the retail revenue is huge, probably not for all customers, but for those customers that pay list price, it would imply a very large spread. Now, large shippers probably have a substantially different retail price that they actually pay. That's the rightmost bar. Again, nothing is known about this either. Um, but they probably have a pricing structure that better reflects um, actual cost. So it's a different set of issues, and it has different implications. Um, if, in the case of roaming, the primary problem to solve was related to wholesale prices, wholesale and retail were regulated together in roaming, but for cross-border parcel, if the problem instead is with the spread, it implies that you may need a different approach to thinking about the problem and towards any kind of solutions that could be taken. So if the diagnosis is different, cure would have to be different. Now, um, I'm, I'm not speaking either for or against any particular regulation. It's not my intent. But clear from this data is if regulation were ever to be undertaken, there are some kinds that would work and some kinds that would be more problematic. Um, one could think about trying to reduce the spread by increasing pricing transparency. One could think about trying to reduce it by making the wholesale arrangements between postal, national postal operators available to competitors. That would tend to put downward pressure specifically on the spread. Uh, a third mechanism uh, would be to take an approach like roaming, where one regulates both wholesale and retail prices possibly an overkill given that one has a rather different problem here. But there's a risk, and it's a risk that needs to be thought about a little bit. If it turns out that the prices truly are below measures of marginal cost, and there's reason to think that they are, 
then pushing, uh, making those prices available to competitors could open the door for quite large-scale arbitrage. It would basically mean that the competitors could offer services on the national postal operators' networks at prices lower than the national postal operators themselves. So this is, I think, a concern that needs some thought. Uh, what it implies is, if one were to ever take such an approach, the wholesale prices have to be looked at at the same time. It's conceivable that the postal operators would by themselves take the prices up to the right levels, the competitive levels, but uh, it seems to me depending on that is a little risky. So if there ever were an intent to do this kind of regulation, it would need very careful analysis and probably some regulatory work. Okay, now as far as what should or shouldn't be done, um, I would argue that what probably isn't reaching far enough is to simply invite national regulatory authorities to look at these pricing problems. They've been looking at them for a long time. The problems have been uh, acknowledged since 1987 in some respects. Um, and uh, one would normally expect that the individual regulators in this sector would have exactly the same problems that the telecoms regulators had. First, limited data and no data about the countries to which parcels are sent. They would have information only about their own country status. Second, they would have no empowerment in the country that receives their shipments. And third, incentives issues. Again, it's a real question whether national postal regulatory authorities are going to take steps, some of which benefit consumers in other countries, but, some, but which tend to disadvantage their own postal operators. So I think there's a pretty strong argument that these are European problems that require European solutions. So my argument would be that, uh, that data is actually the key to everything in almost every scenario. For any of these, you need a good understanding of what the real cash flows are, not only at retail but also at wholesale level, which would argue that uh, member states should be not just empowered but also required to collect good data, that it needs to be both at retail and at wholesale level, and that some authority other than the Postal Regulatory Authority, uh, presumably the Commission, uh, needs to be in a position to gather the data and make sense of it. And um, with that, I'm on my time. Perfect. Thank you very much, Scott. Um, Vice President. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. And I would like to thank you for this uh, impressive and useful presentation. So uh, I have to start uh, from, uh, from the past. I'm Vice President uh, of the European Commission responsible for digital single market. And now, today, we're talking about uh, parcel delivery prices. How those things are connected is uh, the question. Well, 20 years ago, in the European Union, we were able to create single market in physical meaning. We were able to tear down those barriers uh, in dividing our member states uh, and uh, Let's say everybody benefited from this uh, uh, huge single market. But digital single market does not exist. Instead, to have 